Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle, standing in for our host, Kathy Sheridan. And remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud or whatever app you listen to the podcast on. And you can always find us on irishtimes.com. If you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast. Or you can email us on the Women's Podcast at irishtimes.com. And if you like the podcast, why don't you head along to iTunes, give us a review and tell all your friends about it. Before we get on with the episode, we just want to remind you that the Women's Podcast is partnering with Body and Soul Festival, Ireland's most beautiful festival filled with three days of music, art, culture and well-being. Taking place on the summer solstice weekend, June 22nd to the 24th in Ballonlock Castle in County Westmeath. 2018's edition includes Fever Ray, Chronics, Arca, John Hopkins, who's playing live, Iron and Wine, Baxter Drury and James Holden and the Animal Spirits. Head to bodyandsoul.ie to pick up a final tier ticket and be sure to check out the Irish Times programme on the Woodland stage, which is taking place on the Saturday afternoon. There are brilliant talks planned for that day, including a live recording of the Women's Podcast, which is called The People Have Spoken and We Know What They Said and we're all very happy here about what they said. Repealed the 8th. Now, our guest on the podcast today is the Kurdish human rights journalist Nurcan Bezal. In her work, Nurcan documented human rights violations committed by Turkish troops against the Kurdish minority in 2016. She's been jailed for her tweets and for speaking out against the violence. And although later released, she now faces up to three years in jail in a separate case related to her writing. Nurchin was in Dublin recently with the charity Frontline Defenders to receive their Global Laureate Award. And she came into the studio to speak to Cathy Sheridan about her life and career. And I think you'll find it very interesting. Now, Jan, you could be in prison as we speak, yet here you are in a studio in the Irish Times. Mm-hmm. Why are you here and why are you not in jail? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am still lucky that I am here. I was not expecting also that I will be here a few months ago. Uh, on 21st of this January, they detained me. Uh, I, I live in Diyarbakir in Turkey. And bef- one day before they detained me, the Turkish offensive uh, in Afrin against Afrin was launched. And that day I wrote an article about that I'm against the, this war in Afrin. And then I sent some tweets and five tweets. Five uh, tweets? Five tweets, yeah. It was, uh, they were tweets like, the, uh, like this. For example, one of them is like, you know, the, uh, the, the name of the operation, the Turkish government put the name Olive Branch Operation, okay? And then I wrote that, what are the, the comings from tanks is not all the branches. They are bombs and they are real and people are dying. This is the first tweet. Okay. In another tweet that day, a uh, uh, 10-year-old uh, Arab boy was killed with the bombs, with the Turkish bombs. And I said, 
I took the picture and I said, his name was Yahya and he was killed today. And this is a war and this is a, this is our bombs are coming to people, I said. And in another tweet, I said to uh, to give name of olive, olive branch to that and uh, war. This is Turkey, I said. And then the last tweet, the, that day, the religious authority in Turkey uh, wanted a conquest sermon, okay, in the mosques to to conquest Afrin, okay. And I said, uh, which religion and which belief in the world, okay, applaud uh, that and war. And these are these were my tweets. <laughs> and then that night, uh, it was ten past twelve. Uh, I heard the noise. Uh, the children with me, uh, my two kids, and and we had a friend from Bosworth University, an academician, and my husband. And it was a school holiday, so the children are not sleeping. It was the night, and uh, I heard a terrible voice. I thought it. At the beginning, I thought it's an earth, it was an earthquake. Then I understand that it's coming from my front door. And then I thought uh, a war occurred and they are bombing my house and they are shooting the house. And then I be- began to shout uh, to, and to take the children to a safe place inside the home. I never thought that, you know, they are police because... <laughs> Uh, police outside. They were outside and they are trying to knock down my door. They didn't knock on the door. No, they are trying just break down the door. But my door was so powerful, <laughs> and so the walls began, uh, near the wall began to scramble, and we were with children. We were in shock. I was just like this. I thought that they are shooting, so trying to make the children safe. You know, just put myself on front of the door, and then they enter my home like this. They enter a home which they know that uh, there are there were three two kids inside, and they entered like that. And then they said that and twenty uh, special operations team full masked twenty twenty with Kalashnikovs, and they put on me the Kalashnikovs, and they targeted on me, and uh, my ch- they took my children like two or three meters away from me. And all the Kalashnikovs targeted me. And they said we had a warrant to search. Uh, are you Nurjan Baisa? I said, yes. They said they had a warrant to search the home. I said if they had a warrant also to knock down my door. And so this is how they entered. My, and they, they took me. And they took me to anti-terror department. And they put me in a cell. And uh, yeah, this is how they detained me. But there were a lot of uh, solidarity. There were protests again because of they took me in this way. In locally, uh, you know, ordinary people, imam, even imam, imams, muhtars, a lot of people, a lot of families which I supported in the last years. Uh, even business people, people from different parties, political parties. Because, Nurjan, you are sitting here in front of me and as a judge said in the subsequent case, Mm -hmm. you don't look like a terrorist. You look like a very normal woman and a very smart one. Um, And you are Kurdish. Yes, You are also a journalist. Yeah, I am Kurdish. One or both of these things Uh makes you suspect in the eyes of modern Turkey. 
Yeah, you know, I think in, you know, as Kurdish people, we have an unforgivable sin in the eyes of Turkish state. Be born as Kurds, you know, <laughs> really. I think uh, this is our sin. The thing is that this, uh, but we are struggling for the rights of Kurdish people. Which has been going on for a yeah, long time. Not just only for the rights of the Kurdish people. I am struggling for the rights of all minorities in Turkey also, not only for my people. And now, especially after the 2015, when the clashes began again, the Turkish state and the Kurdistan Workers Party, uh, the clashes this time began in the city centers in our cities. And the state uh, declared military curfews and bombed the civilians. And uh, at the beginning, the curfew... And this included Afrin, the place you referred no, to it, it is. it is in 2015, in July of 2015, because in 2013... A peace process was begun between the Turkish state and the Kurdistan Workers Party. But after the two years later, Erdogan stopped the peace process because uh, in the elections, the Kurdish party uh, passed the 10 percent threshold and uh, put a lot of MPs into parliamento. And the government thought that this peace process is the benefit of Kurdish people, not for us, you know. So not bringing void to us. So they stopped the peace process and the clashes began. So you passed the democratic requirement of 10 yeah, percent yeah. Kurdish representatives in parliament. Yeah. And you still have this. He has. And this is when Erdogan became suddenly opposed to the peace process. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In 2015, in July of 2015, they, Erdogan stopped the peace process. And uh, he said, uh, you know, this this process uh, is not bringing void. This is what they told to the government. And he said that uh, this, the peace process officially stopped. This is what he's, he declared. And then the clashes began in our cities. And after, in, two, in July of 2015, clashes began. And after the clashes began, the state uh, began, uh, declared military curfews. But do you know, I don't know how, what is curfew in Turkey? Curfew in Turkey means different than the curfews in the in other uh, countries. Uh, because I went at, uh, once I was in Brussels and, and journalists asked me that, okay, we also have curfew in French, <laughs> in Paris after ISIS attacks. I said, it's not the same. The curfew in our region, it is something like that. You're stuck in your home 24 hours. Okay, and there is no way to go out because there is bombardment, and there is no food, there is no water because uh, if you stockpile, you know the food and the food and water before you can continue your life. But if you don't, it is real. It is really really hard. Even you are, you didn't you don't go outside of your home again. You can die. Why? Because the sharapnel pieces hit your home. According to the Human Rights Foundation's report, uh, two, more than 200 people died inside their homes because of the sharapnel pieces. So curfew is something like that in our city. So you should hide in the darkest place in your home, not close to the window. Okay, because a lot of people that times died because of they are, you know, for example, a woman died in Surici. He was just she was having breakfast with her children. Uh, it was Sunday and a piece of bomb came and cut his head. 
her head. So people died like that, you know, because the city was under bombardment. It's not an ordinary curfew. What I when I say curfew, it is something different, you know. Now you have described Nurjan yeah. your own role in trying to retrieve bodies in these areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, in working with villagers. Yeah. Um, which was beyond courageous, and yes. it's one of the reasons you're in 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 Ireland this week is to accept an award for this. Why did you decide to get involved at that level? That sounds very, very risky. Yeah, it is something like, you know, an accident happens and you should stop. It's something like that. You know, there are people dying, you know, and you can't close your eyes. Or if you can't do anything, you prefer to do that, you know. And when this happened, I really, I, if someone told me that like five years ago, you will do all these things, I said, I, I will not believe maybe. But then this happened and there were dead bodies in the streets. And you are and, witnessing this. And I am witnessing this. And so tried I tried to enter the area and to take to retrieve the dead bodies. And I was at that time the Turkish media totally closed their eyes about to do uh, all these crimes in our region. People people they are they were not writing about what's happening in our region. And I was writing every, nearly every day that this is happening and trying to increase the public awareness about the ongoing war in my region and about the human rights and the war crimes. Who was publishing your writings at that at stage? At that time, I was writing at T24. Yeah, it's an internet, uh, Turkish internet newspaper. And they were publishing. And then I was every day, I was sending them, okay? And I was just, you know, <laughs> now when I look, I was... I feel that I was just shouting, this happening, this happening, there are dead bodies on the streets. And then I'm, I was not only writing and I was also writing letters to prime minister. And also I visited prime minister at that time because I wrote an open letter and I said that the dead bodies are on the streets and you are prime minister. I'm talking about something against humanity, you know, because it was in my city, it was street on the streets like more than a amount uh, and you know uh, animals were eating them and then uh, did you actually meet with him hmm? did you actually yes, meet with he him he gave an appointment to me and I went to and in Ankara and talked with Davutoglu and but he couldn't also do anything it was it's uh, interesting the deep state in Turkey is very powerful really very powerful if you after um, a week uh, I visited the prime minister, the dead bodies, they, the special operations teams brought the dead bodies into the morgue and they were all disintegrated. You know, the eyes were taken, you know, a lot of genitals are cut and many things like that. And it's, there are bits by the animals. And then I again write an open letter and I said the, they came and they are like this and I want the prime minister and the government to open an investigation about those people who did this to these dead bodies. So I tried to increase the voice, you know, because I was witnessing all these human rights crimes and people are afraiding, you know, they, they are right. I can't say, you know, anything, but from other side, I'm also afraiding sometimes, but I prefer not to think, you know, because when we see this kind of things, you know, I, you know, after a while you are thinking that, you know, if anything will happen, it can happen, you know, because we, we see the worst things, you know. Mm. So I had a, 
I feel responsibility to people, to their families, and to myself also. As I said, you know, it's maybe a lot of people will do the same because it's like a, if something happens like this in front of you, what you will do? You know, we will. We no, Jan, you're to. not just in in um, in danger of losing your livelihood or your voice. You're in danger of losing your life. Mm-hmm. You are being labelled a terrorist at this stage, as far yes. as I can see. Um, this week, um, Erdogan was in London, uh, where he was asked by Theresa May to observe um, the norms of human rights. Mm-hmm. And his response was... Uh, sorry, JJ. Journalists are, those are the terrorists, something like that. His response was, you have to make a distinction between terrorists and journalists. We are talking about those who have been caught red-handed bearing weapons, those who have been killing people. Are we supposed to call them journalists? just because they bear the credentials and identity cards. Were you carrying <laughs> Kalashnikovs and no. shooting your <laughs> way out of scenes? <laughs> yes, you don't no. look like someone who does, but there again, who knows? He thinks, uh, is, is he accusing people like you? Yeah, yeah. Academics, students, teachers, doctors, journalists, writers, even wedding singers, okay, in Turkey, who criticize government policies and who demand peace and human rights, are easily declared as terrorists. We are being killed, put in prison and forced to leave the country. And people like me, as you see me, we are declared as terrorists. And the main thing is the media. You know, the media is under the control. And after uh, they detained me, all the media showed me as terrorists in Turkey. I They had these special TVs, very well-known TVs, these special programs about me. How terrorist I am. Okay. <laughs> and so they put all, they took the sentences from my articles. And, you know, because in my articles, I mainly write the war crimes committed by the state. For example, uh, three months ago, again, uh, a court gave me 10 months in prison, in prison sentence. Then they suspend the verdict. It means if in the, in the next five years, I don't uh, commit the same crime, okay, I will not be in prison. The crime is uh, humiliating Turkish security forces. <laughs> humiliating the Turkish security forces. You humiliated them. Yeah, yeah. The thing, I gave a hundred photos that I took in Jizre, okay, what the security forces did in Jizre. And I gave it to the judge. I said, I wrote the things that I see and, and I photographed them, all of them. This is what the Turkish security forces did in Jizre, and you should open court cases about them, not me. So you were up in court, and your case is about to start, and you say, the judge says to you, you don't look like a terrorist to me. Yeah, he was shocked. He was shocked that I am that woman that writes all these things. I'm usually, I, uh, uh, you know, uh, distract all stereotypes. Usually I'm like that not only in Turkey, also in Kurdistan. And uh, I, I, I think we need to do this also as women. <laughs> they always, they have, in their minds, they have some, you know, those stereotypes, you know, uh, some kind of these things. And when they, he saw me, he, he was a bit surprised, you know, that I am those women that writing all this article. And he actually said this. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was, he was totally surprised. He was totally surprised. <laughs> and then 
I begin to loudly say that you should open a court case about the Turkish security forces, not for me. And he was surprised more. <laughs> and but they are all under pressure, the, the judge. And then he said he need to give back like 15 minutes. I think he, he took he, he took, took your photographs that you offered. <laughs> I think 100 he, photographs. Yeah, he, he yeah yeah. We gave all the photographs, and in the photographs, it uh, it was the houses that used by uh, Turkish security forces. I went those houses after curf- curfew lifted, and it was disgusting scenes I saw, I witnessed. Like, the, you know, uh, all the uh, underwears of the women, uh, Kurdish women there were displayed and used condoms everywhere. Turkish women's underwear? Uh, underwear of Kurdish. Yeah, yeah, a lot of this kind of thing. So there was rampant sexual assault know, at very probably, least. And rape, probably, perhaps. probably. And there are a lot, a lot, of, a lot of other things, you know. And I and I said I to the judge that I witnessed more. I said, but I thought about the woman, about the people in Jizre, and I even I told him that I didn't even write everything I saw. I said, because I thought about woman. Okay, I said, but these are the things. These are the photos. What they did, and when my article published two years ago, two two years ago, first it was censored by the Turkish. General Security Management Office in Ankara. It was the first in Turkish history because they don't have the uh, responsibility to censor, but they did it. Okay, and we found that I can't enter my article. Okay, and then when my article published, I begin. So to, you are blocked basically I, from the well, internet. Yeah, yeah, I blocked, and then I begin uh, began to take threats, but like threats like. Kurdish bastard, you know. Sometimes they say Armenian bastard. You know, we are. I see. I I'm say only think that in the eyes of Turkish state, we are bastard brotherhoods with Armenians. Yeah. <laughs> we are always in their eyes bastard, and uh, I began to take a lot of threats like that. And but I didn't go to the court for this threat because where I will go and lo- look for my rights. I know, you know, the Turkish state. And then they opened the court case and it was like two years. It took two years. And at the end, they gave a 10 months prison sentence to me. But uh, and but there are some other investigations. I want to tell a bit a few of them because it, they are really funny, really tragicomic. For example, they opened uh, a, an investigation to me because of my this sentence. sentence is, my sentence is this. In an, one of interview, I said that in Turkey... We can be everything, but not Kurd. However, you can be everything, but not but, a Kurd. But not a Kurd. But however, apart from everything, we want to be Kurd. So they open an investigation <laughs> to this sentence, <laughs> and another investigation. Is that the same thing, Nujana, saying I want an independent Kurdish state? Is that how they see it? No. If I say it, it, it will be more problematic. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> Probably I will not be here. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, this is funny. You know, a lot of people, because in Turkey, even people who define themselves as the friends of Kurds, they say that, you know, in, Kurds can be everything in this country. They can be minister. They can be, you know, everything. But, you know, the thing is that we can't be Kurd. You know, <laughs> we can't be everything, but we want to be Kurd. Not everything, you know. This is, so I told this in one of my interview and they opened the investigation. And in, in another investigation, in my articles, I used the word Kurdistan and they opened investigation. 
And, you know, funny things like this. Because that is declaring an independent state, really. No, Kurdistan is our geography. Its name is Kurdistan. We exist. Exist. Kurdistan exists. And do they perceive (laughs) this as you declaring an independent state? No, they know that. They know that I am not declaring an an independent. They know that. They just don't want us to use the name Kurdistan because they want to eradicate our history, you know. And but the thing is that, you know, we exist and Kurdistan exists, you know, how they can eradicate this. You know, even they can forbid the same word, but it's in our heart. Kurdistan is our heart, not only geography, but it's everywhere. So what they will do to us, you know, I said. And they open an investigation to this. <laughs> you know, Kurdistan is a geography, you know, and some part is under the Iraq because it's divided after the First World War. Some part is under the Iraq, some part is under the Iran, some part under Syria control, some part under Turkey, Turkish control. So it's a geography. I'm defining a geography. So why, you know, in everywhere in the world, it is Kurdistan. <laughs> so Nujal, where do we stand now? You are, you are, you have, you have to go back to court. Yes, yes. Today I had uh, the court uh, two hours ago. It's finished, and we because of I am here. It happened. Yeah, yeah. Because of I am here, my uh, lawyer participated and want uh, from the judge to delay. In, a, in a, you know, in another time, and they uh, now it will be in October. Yeah. And in the meantime, how are you going to function as a journalist? Uh, it's not easy, you know. To be a journalist in Turkey is not easy, but to be a Kurdish journalist, it is really, really so hard. And the voice of Kurdish journalists also they are not heard. It is another problem. Because in Turkey, there, is, there are more than 170 journalists in prison. Turkey is uh, the leading country in the world, the world's leading jailer for journalists. And most of those journalists who are in prison are Kurdish, but usually all the campaigns are for Turkish journalists. <laughs> they are all our friends, you know. I really like them, love them. But the thing is that the Kurdish people are unseen, isolated also. Looking at this as as a member of the as as a as a, as a member of the EU, Narjan, mm-hmm. um, it seems to me that Turkey is doing terrible self sabotage, mm-hmm. in the sense that how can we as a as a as a modern political bloc admit uh-huh. a uh-huh. country like Turkey, which has long had dreams of joining the EU? Mm-hmm. So what is what is the view on that? How does Erdogan think he can get away with this? You know, the, really, the future is so unclear. I, we really don't know tomorrow what tomorrow will bring in Turkey. Now we have the elections, you know, uh, next month. But the thing is that uh, also global community and EU, they also close their eyes against mm. these crimes, you know, crimes against humanity. And from one side, OK, now it is, it's late, but there are some now the United Nations and some other international organizations, they the, uh, writing some reports about the human rights crimes in Turkey. But the thing of that from other side, the countries are they are arming Turkey. You know, they are sailing, they are sailing arms to Turkey. So it's part of the reason why, why yeah. Erdogan was in, was in London this week. Yeah, yeah. Because so, they have this awkward situation yeah. where Britain wants to, wants to yeah. start a new trade agreement yeah. after Brexit, obviously, yes. and to sell arms. Yes. But in the meantime, Theresa May is lecturing this man on, on, um, on democracy. Yeah, and they are responsible 
from also these crimes because they are arming Turkey. They are arming Turkey. But still in Turkey now, in rural areas, there are dead bodies on the ground because they don't give permission to the family. These are the bad, dead bodies of the Kurdistan Workers' Party's members. And they don't, the uh, army don't give permission to their families to bury them. And right. these are against crimes against humanity. I'm not talking about Turkish and Kurdish issue. I'm talking about to be human, to be part of humanity. Nurjan, you're in Ireland mm-hmm. now, where you're mm-hmm. relatively safe. Mm-hmm. Um, are you frightened of returning to Turkey now? No. You know, the thing is that Turkey every day is another fear. So after a while, I stop to frighten, <laughs> really. I'm not thinking about this. If one day one thing happens, it will, it will happen, you know. If I think these things too much, you know, it makes me, it controls me, it stops me. So I don't want to give permission to this fear and other things to con- to control me. I know uh, if we don't, you know, speak today, then we will speak. If I don't speak, who will speak? You know, so I'm thinking like that. So, no, I am not frightened. I'm, I'm telling these things also loudly in Turkey. The thing is that we need solidarity. Yeah, solidarity from Europe, from Ireland, from everywhere. It, it is so, so important because we are really so less. Most of the people, they are in silence now. All everyday critical voices stop and people are leaving the country. So it is so important to show solidarity with the people there who struggle for human rights, democracy and peace. Nojan, we raise our hats to courageous women everywhere, but especially to you, you. the Kurdish people and to all who are suffering in Turkey today. Thank Thank you. you so much for coming in. Well, I think anyone would be impressed by that kind of bravery in the face of injustice. And we hope to hear from Nurchan again in the next few months. That's all we have time for today. Thanks very much to Nurchan Basil and we wish her all the luck in the future. Today's podcast was produced by myself, Roisin Ingle, and by Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Until next time, thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.